What is up guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts, Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are betting themselves with fitness. On this episode, we are going to talk about auto-regulation. Auto-regulation is something that, as I was just introduced, is something you can do right before the session, during the session, and not after the session. After the session, you're mainly just recovering. My biggest thing I wanted to talk about, though, Adam, is how we can use auto-regulation to sort of use that information to help us train better, perhaps uh, specifically I'm working with an athlete that just started in season. So he's crazy busy, right? So how can I use auto-regulation to make sure that on days that he feels like he's amazing and he's ready to go because this guy's like an animal. Um, and he he's like always going 100%, but I know like physiologically, he's not always going 100%. Um, it, it's just how the science is. Some days he's not recovered. So how do I, let, let's talk about how I can utilize auto-regulation to help this young man. Um, so, I mean, like exactly what you said there, utilizing both a meta session and within session. And when I say meta session, I mean measuring some sort of readiness indicator before the session begins. And I think typically throughout, you know, in-season programming from all of the conversations that we've literally had with a lot of our guests the simple question of, yo, how are you feeling today could be sufficient enough, you know, from the literature that I've kind of went into with our systematic review, measuring meta or, or meta session auto-regulation, there is no clear indication of objective or subjective measurements of readiness. We have articles that will just measure, you know, your energy level, we'll have people just measure your heart rate variability, um, the subsequent morning, even though we know sometimes your subjective perception will be better than your objective perception of your heart rate variability. So I guess to answer your question to, you know, how can you help this individual or how can you help yourself manage this individual throughout your, his training program, I think is using a combination of within session, you know, an FNLP flexible nonlinear periodization approach, um, having a continuum of workouts that are ranging from low demand to high demand. And that allow you to, based on what he is ready for, you can choose that. And then, you know, within session, uh, manipulate and auto-regulate, you know, the loads, the intensities. And I think, again, using RPEs that are lower with intensities, anywhere from a, a five as maybe as high as a seven, you know, lowering the amount of sets that you're doing to focus on the quality. And, you know, just because you're in season doesn't mean you can't get better. And as we've spoken to a lot of the other strength and conditioning professionals on this podcast, you just kind of switch the perception of your goal right now, right? It's now more about power. It's more about, you know, force development rather than, you know, strength and um, hypertrophy and stuff like that. And I think you can still utilize, you know, strength and hypertrophy, you know, ranges and stuff like that. They just don't need to be as demanding uh, or high as an intensity. So I think that's going to be the main driver or a manipulation that you'll have to make with this individual during his season. Yeah. And something I actually, I'm, I'm happy. I didn't ask you before the podcast because you had mentioned heart rate variability and what is heart rate variability and what impacts it? I know that's not in relation to auto auto regulation, but I just really want to know exactly what that is. 
Yeah. So when you say heart rate availability is not auto regulation, it technically is auto regulation. Um, in this sense, heart rate availability is just what it kind of says, the variability um, of your heart rate beat to beat, right? Because our hearts aren't a metronome. Our hearts are going to have variability within each heart rate. Um, and the higher your variability of heart rate is, it typically means that you're quote unquote better recovered. Um, and the lower it is, the less recovered you are. And it takes into all considerations. Um, so again, it, your heart rate adapts or is fluctuant based on physiological, psychological, all these perceptions, you know, acutely, chronically, um, and heart rate variability is supposed to take in all of that in consideration. So, um, so that's actually really good information because um, it is just the simple fact that your heart rate variability is something that can be impacted by literally everything in your life. And yeah. it's going to take into account the mental stressors, the spiritual stressors, the physical stressors, like any type of stress that's going to get impacted. The, the HRV is going to get impacted by those. And like you said, like we use that information. What are some easy ways? Um, because I know the only way that I've ever utilized it is through my Apple watch while I'm like, measuring my sleep. So what are some other ways? It, are there easy ways for people to track that? I know whoop whoop probably has that on a daily basis. Don't they? Or what, what are some other things? Yeah. So I, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with like methodologies or, you know, things that you can utilize to measure this. Um, I know again, like you said, whoop, I'm pretty sure the newest Apple watches has all of these things. But also I want to take into consideration that this is very objective in nature. And again, doesn't take into your subjective feeling. Um, I was talking to a lot of other individuals that utilize heart rate variability. And it's surprising, like for a lot of the competitive athletes, the CrossFit, powerlifting, stuff like that, they'll pay attention to it sometimes. But the highlight that I've continuously heard, like a trend was, the day before or the day of a competition, I'm not paying attention to that variable if it's good or bad. I won't even look at it because, right, it starts to bias your mindset already. If I'm recovered, oh, great, let's go. If I'm not recovered, fuck, maybe I should tone it down a little bit. But again, what happens if you actually wake up and you feel really good, but your HRV measurement says you're not doing really good? And this is something that hopefully I'll be taking into consideration here soon over the summer. Um, asking individuals that, you know, have heart rate variability and they depend on this to regulate or manipulate their training. Like, why did, why do you choose this? What does this do for you? Because I've heard people that, Hey man, this dictates everything that I do for the rest of the day. I've heard other individuals that say, yes, I use it. It doesn't do anything for me. And I've heard other individuals say I have it, but I don't even pay attention to it. So again, it is objective, but we know too, from a meta-analysis that subjective measurements are as good, if not better than objective measures. Yeah. And something that you mentioned, yeah, take it, take into account HRV, but like you said, it can really impact what you think or how you, how you feel about it. And I can completely understand like the, the day of competition or the day prior, just don't even look at it. Cause you don't want those thoughts because you're going to have to be ready regardless. And you're have to give it like a hundred percent. However, what you mentioned is totally true. Like some days I'll wake up when I was tracking my sleep and tracking my HRV throughout my sleep, I'd wake up feeling like 100%, but my HRV would be so low. And I'm like, 
I, this doesn't make sense. However, I know when I started doing like running, when I was running a lot, like three, four times a week, for some reason, after I did that, like consistently for like weeks and weeks, my HRV started going so much higher while I was sleeping. And like my deep sleep was like getting way better. And I don't know if it was just because like my physiologically, I was handling stress better or what the case was, but yeah, just the mindset behind it is really interesting. And I guess we'll take a step back away from HRV for a second. And I want to get your thoughts on, let me, let me cut you off though, real quick, because you said something that's really important there that right. As you became more cardiorespiratory trained, right. You, your HRV started to show improvements and, you know, physiologically that makes a lot of sense because now you start to be getting into more of a PNS tone, right? Your heart rate is already decreasing. So you have more variability there. Um, your sweet sleep qualities there. So again, that I just want that to be noted to our audience that cardio is important, right? To be recovered, you actually have to be physically active throughout the day, improve upon your aerobic capacity, because that's how you are able to handle more load, handle more intensity and all of that. And your R, your HRV measurement will be very reflective of that. But again, also teetering on the, the what I'm trying to watch, what I'm trying to say is objective measures aren't everything. Yeah. And objective, when he says objective, it's like measurements that are not biased. So like an objective measurement in like a race is saying that person took first, second, and third. That's like an objective measure because that's what they actually place. There's really no, there's no way to like argue that. But if you look at two people and say, that person looks faster, he's going to take first. That's a subjective statement because there's really no measuring in that. It's, it's heavily impacted like personal, by personal bias. And to go back, to wrap it back, um, what I'm thinking about doing, you can tell me your thoughts on this, Adam, is when he started his season, we switched it from three days and we're doing three full body days with like several days of rest in between. I think one day of rest in between one day and now two days in between that's when we were doing three full bodies now we're doing two full body days and the third day was always a volume day just to get some like more work in get some hypertrophy but still trying to stay on the explosive side of things we took that out just because there's so much running and working volume in the season for any sport and i'm curious I would say, relatively speaking, I'm at like 85 to 90% of a workload or 82 and 87%. I don't have the exact numbers, but then on the heavy day, it, it goes up above in like the nineties. And I'm curious, although those are both heavy, I'm curious on what your approach is. If, if he subjectively says he's feeling good today, would you say I should go on the heavier day then? and then allow him to push all out on the heavier workout for the week because we're doing two full body days. So it doesn't really matter. And then for the day, he's not feeling good. Then we should do the lighter one that he's going to be moving faster, but still heavy weights. Yeah. I mean, I think what you kind of explain is probably the best way to go about it. If he is feeling good, go ahead and capitalize on that moment. He is feeling good, but also take in, you know, the within session duration of, you know, monitoring his RPE. If things are moving slower than they anticipated, then you're going to have to just have that conversation with them. Like, hey, sure, you felt good, 
but the way you're moving the weight isn't telling me you are feeling good. So I want to be, you know, precautious. I want to stay ahead of the fitness fatigue curve and where your fitness is ahead of your fatigue. And again, right now, your main priority is performance on the field. Here in the gym, this is just supplementary work for you to stay healthy, stay strong, keep your resiliency up. But again, the main focus right now in season is to be within season, not in the weight room. But I think, again, your approach right there is capitalizing. If he says, hey, I'm feeling good, let's go ahead and capitalize it on that heavy day. And if you know things aren't going as well, to be able to be adaptive within session, whether it be your velocity-based training methodology that you use or RPE methodologies. But I think being proactive and utilizing them both is probably the best thing that you can do uh, for him long-term. Yeah. And then that actually leads us right into the, like the main thing that was really driving this is like the in-session feedback. And base, we, we talked slightly before this and um, I was thinking of something that I can't really put a name on and uh, we didn't really get anywhere with it. I feel like how, however, like this is, uh, been very clarifying. And I think the approach I'm going to take in session is just for the like core lifts, like squatting and benching, uh, and deadlifts, just hook up my velocity reader and just adjust the load based off of the velocity. So like, yes, the percentage is supposed to be like 80 to 90 or whatever, but if his velocity is a lot lower than what it should be for that percentage. Okay. We're taking a couple pounds off these subsequent cents. No, I think that's exactly what you should do. Um, I don't have, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but there is a, a pretty great, um, like velocity based, um, meters per second threshold comparison to a percentage based, um, number for their percentage of one RM that you can utilize, uh, and just in comparison of that. And if it falls short, that's when you go ahead and decrease the load. Um, or if you don't have your VBT that day, you can literally just RPE cap him, right? Here's your load. If it's anything higher than a seven we're terminating it. But again, he seems young. He seems one that wants to just go, go, go. Having that conversation with him and letting him know that what you're doing in the weight room right now, isn't supposed to really improve you right now. It's supposed to just kind of keep us where we were at before you started the season. Yeah. And I would say what you mentioned is like the primary focus of any training program when someone's in season, uh, of course, you know this, but for anyone that is in a sport, you really want to make sure that your primary focus is just staying injury free. And that's priority. Now I, he's, a great athlete. He's very well balanced. He's strong everywhere. So we are pushing him and trying to improve because he's going into high school next year. So he still has a lot of progress to make in his high school career to prepare him for college. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that he is all out 100% of the times. And I've had to have that conversation a few times with him because we have a percentage that we're going to plan to do for a certain day. And we go into the weight room. He's like, coach, I need to do more. This is easy. I'm like, if it's easy, just focus on being as explosive as possible. Because if you're moving the bar faster than what you were the last set, you're going to get more out of it. 
And that's what we want for an athlete in your case is to be as explosive, explosive as possible. And he's, he's extremely, uh, uh, receptive of that information. So it was, uh, this was a great podcast on all the smoke on auto regulation. Just know that we will hopefully be able to continuously provide content like this, um, whether it be simple case studies, scenarios, situations like this, um, or so more like research reviews. So both Chris and I can be on top of our game. All right. That was all the smoke on strength and physique. We appreciate you guys for checking in. Y'all have a great day.